God's covenant, commitment, connection, communication, commendation. Growing up in rural Canada, I was surrounded by many things that by today's standards would be very antiquated. For instance, my grandmother's telephone was one of those box-like affairs that hung on the wall and required a crank on the handle in order to connect with the operator. You had to lift the earpiece to your ear in order to hear, and the mouthpiece was a bell-like affair that protruded from the front of the wooden box. In most cases, you had to yell into it so your caller could hear you, and most likely the the clearest part of the communication was, hey, because you couldn't hear each other clearly. Of course, it was a community line, so you were rather circumspect in what you shared, or all your neighbors would know your business, and the gossip could be fierce and fruitful. Although the telephone was more modern when we were living in the Transkai, still we had to book a call through the operator and wait until they called us back to say that connection had been made. It was commonplace to have them break into our conversations to say they needed the line. And so one always had to keep their conversations brief and nondescript, as once again the information we shared could be carried throughout the village before we hung up the receiver. Ah, the beauties of technology. When you think of it, it's not much different than our current social media with Facebook splashing our news from one cell phone to another, interpreted and critiqued by thousands along the way. Isn't it great that our communication with God is never misinterpreted, at least on his part? First Chronicles 28 states, For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. And Psalms 139 states, You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. Add to this Romans 8 in the easy-to-read version, which says, God already knows our deepest thoughts, and he understands what the Spirit is saying, because the Spirit speaks for his people in the way that agrees with what God wants. Jesus, too, knows our thoughts, as, as the Gospels tell us time and again in Matthew 9, Matthew 12, Luke 6, and 7, and 9, and 11. He knows what dominates the minds of the unbelievers and many believers, the cares of this world, our need for food and drink and clothes. And, and Jesus reassures his listeners that the Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And so he advises us to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Moreover, we're told that the Holy Spirit tests our thoughts to examine the deepest secrets of our hearts. Therefore, we see that God clearly knows what we're thinking, and what he tries to do is to have us understand his thoughts. For ours may be twisted and small and misguided, but his are perfect and pure and righteous. For the Lord is the one who shaped the mountains, we're told by Amos, stirs up the winds and reveals his thoughts to mankind. He turns the light of dawn into darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord God of heaven's armies is his name. 
Thus, although our thoughts may be lacking, his definitely aren't. And he wants us to know what he's thinking and doing, as he says in Jeremiah 33. Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. God speaks to us again through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31, saying, The day is coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Jesus is the one who fulfills this promise of a new covenant. As he spoke at the Last Supper with his disciples just before he walked to the cross, he took up the cup and he gave thanks, telling them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Hebrews 7 confirms this, saying Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. In Hebrews 8, we learn that Jesus is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Later in this chapter, the writer of Hebrews reaffirms the prophecy of Jeremiah, repeating these words, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. What is this new covenant that God promises us? It is the covenant which he instituted when his son sacrificed his life on our behalf. And it reveals God's commitment, his connection, his communication, and his commendation of us. What great and better promises are these? His commitment is shown when he states that he is the one initiating this covenant or unbreakable contract with his people. He unequivocally states, I will be their God and they will be my people. Even though his people have been faithless in the last covenant, breaking their commitment to him, he is reaching out again, stretching forth his hand to rescue, to reestablish an eternal covenant with his children, so we may know him as our father. For we are told we have received God's spirit when he adopted us as his own children and now call him Abba, Father. He tells us again in Galatians 4, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. 
No longer do we have a rusty connection to our God, frail and easily broken. Now our connection is clean and clear and crisp. For he tells us, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. Our connection with God is no longer like the old-fashioned telephones where you had to ask the operator to connect you to your party. Uh-uh. We have a direct line to God through the Holy Spirit. And he places his thoughts and his ways and his purposes into our hearts so we can know him and follow his plans for our lives. <laughs> Why ever would he come up with a plan for us, unique to our nature and our gifts, if he didn't intend on sharing it with us? And his communication is flawless. There's no static on his line, no broken connection. He promises that he himself will teach us. Both the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Micah reassures us of this. People from all nations will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. And Jesus pleads with us, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Finally, in establishing his covenant with us and in illustrating his commitment, opening up a solid connection, as Paul tells the Ephesians, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Then he teaches us through his faithful communication with us. Finally, he provides his commendation of us, saying, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. In the world, we receive condemnation, but through Christ, we receive absolution. When we repent, he receives us fully and completely, throwing over us his blanket of grace, covering our sins with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As we read in Ephesians, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Therefore, we no longer need to just hope, oh, that we might know the Lord. But as the prophet Hosea tells us, let us press on to know him. He will respond to us surely as the dawn, the arrival of the dawn, or the coming of the rains in early spring. Oh, what a wonder the redemption of Christ is for us. He established for us through his death and resurrection a new covenant, rich in grace and mercy. And this covenant ensures his commitment to us secures his connection with us, establishes his communication with us, and avows his commendation of us as his children forever. How blessed we truly are. Amen, beloved, and amen.